in the swing around the home turn. Here's Echo Point looming up on the outside of Sharanda. Uh, working home, Tony's Reward down the outside. Bernie's Tiger still there and further back to break dance. But taking over here is Echo Point and kicks away. Sharanda the inside, can't go with Echo Point. And then we've got Tony's Reward and Bernie's Tiger. But well clear is Echo Point. 50 metres left to go. Good on you, Brookie. Good on you, uh, Todd. Echo Point, they cheer and bark all. And Echo Point's won. Yes, they were cheering everywhere across the West. That was Echo Point winning the Birdsville Cup with a leg in the air on Monday for take one of the Birdsville Cup for 2022. I think they're calling it the Birdsville Cup of 2021 as I introduce Max uh, Tanks into the studio. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Um, I thought it was a, um, a great cup uh, and we've also got a... Uh, we're going to call her a special guest tonight. She did say that she's a bit special, uh, but our special guest tonight is uh, cup winning jockey Brooke Richardson. Yes, well done, Brookie. <laughs> we, were, we were cheering everywhere for, for that uh, little horse. Uh, well done, mate. Thank you. Um, we will cover Birdsville in more detail shortly. Uh, but, Max, first of all, we'll start off uh, the usual way with tonight's lead-in question. Yeah, I've just got to pull it up again here now. Um, yeah, so... Question tonight is, would you rather live without your smartphone or without your computer? Well, there's no way humanly known that I could live without my phone. Well, it's, the question is the smartphone, though. Oh, you know? the so smartphone. It doesn't say, you know, so you could still have like, the old Nokia's. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to go without the computer. See, at first I thought this was a no-brainer. I thought, oh, yeah, uh, it's got to be smartphone every day of the week. And then I thought, well... It can't be because otherwise you wouldn't be able to bet on the go, would you? Like, that's that's my big thing. Like, you wouldn't be able to yeah. bet on the go and be able to watch the races on the go. So, <laughs> like, it's 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 definitely you have to be without my computer. I have to be. It has to be without your computer, Brooke. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say without a computer because I haven't owned one since I moved out of home. So I've gone this long without. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, all the eyes were on Birdsville on the on the weekend, and uh, the action started on Sunday, with the feature race on Sunday being the Birdsville Sprint. It's had a few names over the years. It was known as the uh, VB Spint there for a while, and the favourite was John Manselman's Raiden. Uh, started around even money. Rick McMahon was in the saddle, and here's the final 400 with Josh Fleming. Turn for home, and Raiden's hit the lead narrowly. Grand Symphony's the inside. Uh, Pinzu's coming home fairly. Revenue looking for the way clear. Another plan further back. So we've got uh, Pinzu the outside. Raiden. Raiden Pinzu. Late Revenir down the outside. Grand Symphony the inside but Raiden kicking really well. He gets away from Pinzu. Late Revenir down the outside but Raiden's in front. Heavily backed and Raiden's won from Revenir. Third Pinzu followed by Grand Symphony. It was a Quinella to John Manselman in the end with Raiden too good. He's been a fantastic horse. He's an iron horse. Uh, he's won everywhere and he's saluted at a good thing's odds of $1.85 in the end. One by length and three quarters over Revenair, who was resolute for John Manselman and Jade Doolan. And Pinzu, uh, the roughie in the small field for Ken... Kim Healy and John Keating, three lengths away in third, starting at $14. But uh, Raiden, uh, Max, it, we always knew if he brought his best form to the table, he was going to be hard to beat. Oh, absolutely. Um, and... I think it goes without saying this horse on his day can definitely gallop. And um, I don't want to sound, I suppose, disrespectful to some of his past jockeys, but I do believe he probably needs a real 
strong rider. I mean, mm. he, he always looks like that kind of horse that needs to be ridden along a bit. Um, and he was certainly ridden along by Rick on this occasion and uh, was able to come away with the win. Race one on the card was the RFDS cutest maiden plate or the John Mandelman stakes. He <laughs> saddled up uh, five of the six runners and the cutest Philly money went off with Little Miss Peggy, uh, trained by John, ridden by Jay Doolan, won quite easily in the end by two and a quarter lengths over Pinaroo for John and Rick McMahon. And uh, the favourite bombed it at the start. That was a midnight boom. Um, came home pretty well to get beaten three and a half lengths. But uh, Brooke... I think we've still got you there. Um, John Manselman, yeah. he took a swag of horses out there and uh, it was great to see him get the chocolates in the maiden to start the day. Yeah, uh, he took a fair few horses, which was pretty good, uh, as you've pointed out. You know, the maiden was uh, uh, mostly um, his runners, so without him, uh, that wouldn't have held up. And uh, it's good to see that in the process, he got some results as well, so... Yeah, I think he had a good weekend, and who knows, maybe uh, we'll see him back in September. Race two was the uh, Birds Were Races Roadies Class 3 plate at 1,000 metres. Uh, it was won by Pass the Car. Now, this is a nice little horse that Gary Bignall's picked up, formerly with Sue Grills. Uh, Ross Tilly took the ride, and fit on pace and uh, did the job. Came away to win by a length and a half. It was well supported, $4 into two ninety. Beat Vietti, who ran a really good race for Kim Healy and John Keating to get beaten a length and a half. And look, Max, the favourite spirit house, it it was a, a really pestered by past the card and uh, told in the end and just petered out to run third, beating 2.5. I don't think it'll lose any admirers, spirit house. Um, obviously only just a new new acquisition to the Manzeman stable and... Um, First go on the dirt um, certainly was a, um, a, Chris, a baptism of fire, wasn't it? Um, mm. But I agree, past the card, it's got that strong, uh, that northern country New South Wales form that it's bringing in. Usually you do see that stand up and, um, yeah, those couple of wins, it um, certainly looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty competitive in the country circuit. Todd Austin uh, got the first of his two winners on day one with Wicked Wench. Um, this one, new to the stables, did win at Emerald uh, and came here as a $1.30 favourite and won accordingly. Beat Mashani Rebel for John Manselman and Shane Nielsen by two and a quarter lengths and just under six lengths away to third. Shame, shame, shame for Kim Healy and John Keating. But Wicked Wench... Um, Actually, won both days, but uh, on this particular day, Brooke, just far too good. Yeah, she, she really um, proved herself. She won really, really nicely. Uh, three for three for Todd at this stage. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see um, how long she keeps up that winning streak for. But uh, she's definitely shown that she's uh, quite a nice horse, and she's a nice type as well. She's nice and she's strong. Um, so I think we'll be seeing more of her in the future. Race four was the Class 5 handicap over 1,200 metres, and Caitlin's Angel uh, finished with a wet sail to defeat um, Kettleston. Now, Caitlin's Angel was a winner for Kim Healy and John Keating, won by a, a quarter of a length over Kettleston, who did it the tradesman's way, three wide for the majority of the race and just found it hard to go through the line with that big weight of 64.5 kilos for Todd Austin and Rick McMahon. Strawberry Blonde, not a bad run in third for David Rewald, who trains and rides. But Caitlin's Angel, look, not too many winners on the carnival for Kim Healy and John Keating, but they've chipped away with a lot of placings. Yeah, they did. 
an um, an eight and a half kilo weight swing on the favourite there in Kettleston. I think that was probably the telling factor in the end, uh, especially as you said, um, Kettleston tried to do it the tradesman's way. But yeah, no, it was good to see. Obviously, they make a, the long trip up from down in um, South Australia there, so it's uh, yeah definitely well deserved to come away with um, a couple of winners. Another horse that well it did surprise me a little bit was in the uh, Burrsville Hotel Class One handicap, Rosa Raya. Now came off a good win in a maiden at Longreach and jumped straight to Class One company, no problems. Uh, it was a second leg of, leg of Todd Austin's winning double on the day. Uh, Shay Nilsson, the young four kilo claimer, with her first career winner. A date that she won't forget. One by a half length over the stable mate Lady Faye for Todd Austin and Rick McMahon, and a length and away and a half away to the well-backed Do Your Best for Philip Cole and John Keating. A couple of questions here, uh, Brookie. Firstly, Rosa Raya. Um, it had quite a bit of time off before debuting, so I mean, uh, firstly, it looks like it, it might go okay. And secondly, uh, a bit of a story there with Shane Nilsson riding her first winner. Yeah, uh, Todd and Tony have had the horse for quite some time now. She had a big spell when she turned up to the stables. Um, you can see she'd been through a few trainers. Um, so it's good to see her um, putting a couple wins together up on the board and um, showing that she's going to be holding a worthy place in the stable because we've got plenty of horses. So I'm assuming if she didn't go well, she would have been uh, quickly replaced. But um, she's held her ground and she's got a, a box for a while longer yet. And, yeah... Uh, Four kilo claimer, uh, Shay having her first win. Um, she rode the horse really nicely. I think she put it in a great posse and the horse pulled itself into the race and I probably think you couldn't ask for a nicer, nicer ride for your first win. Over to day two, which was on Monday, starting with race one. It was a zero to 50 over the 1,000 metres. And Vietti, uh, one of the first horses that backed up, it ran a really good second at Bolter's Odds on day one and atoned for a really impressive win for Kim Healy and John Keating. One by three and three-quarter lengths. It started $2.05. Beat Ramblin' Man, who um, for, was okay for John Mansman and Rick McMahon. And Oliphants was a good run into third at big odds for David Rewalt. But Maxi was the first of many horses there uh, on Monday that were heavily backed and duly saluted. I think it was almost identical time to the um, to the race the previous day as well. So mm. um, obviously didn't lose um, too much freshness in those legs. And um, how often do we see it? We see, you know, those good runs that pop up on a on the first day of the carnival and they come out and um, put an even better one on the second day. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's good to see some of those travelling trainers obviously get get a win there on the board. Todd Austin had a, a really, really good carnival, and day two uh, started well for him. He picked up the cash with Wicked Wench, who won on day one, uh, won a tick over 9000 day one, backed up with an $11,000 race on day two. Not bad for a couple of days' work. <laughs> uh, Todd Austin and Rick McMahon slugged a, a kilo and a half for its win on Sunday, but won impressively five lengths as a $1.30 favourite over Caitlin's Angel and Auburn. But Wicked Wench... Um, Brooke, I know we just spoke about it, but uh, it'd be interesting to see where this horse goes because it looks like it's got a bit of upside. Yeah, she does look like she's got a bit of upside and wondering whether she'd stretch that bit further uh, than that 1,400 metres. Um, you know, she won by pretty good margins, uh, not just by a short way. So, um, yeah, look, we'll uh, have to see what the plans are with her, but she holds her condition well. Like I said, she's a big stocky type of mare. Uh, she definitely doesn't go on the light side. So 
I think she's going to hold her condition nicely and uh, she'll be competitive for um, for throughout the season. I'm not, not questioning any trainers here or anything like that, but when, when you look at racing two days in a row, what, what sort of things do you look for in a horse? Okay, They've had a, a run on, on the Sunday. What, what sort of things are you looking for Sunday afternoon and Monday morning to suggest that it would be okay to race? Again, this isn't a, a question or a shot at any trainers. What are the few things you'd be looking at? Yeah, I think you'd probably have to take into factor how they've settled down after the race, um, you know, after the first race on the first day, how quickly, you know, they recovered their recovery time. You can tell with a horse in general normally. Some horses, after their race, you can tell if they're a bit dull, they're not quite as bright. Uh, they might be resting more than normal, so they'll be that little bit doughy. Um, you can sort of tell by all that sort of thing and how much um, dinner they've ate, how much water they've drank, all that sort of stuff comes into play. So I think if they're content, uh, they're showing, you know, they're showing that they're um, still got um, a bit of liveliness in them and they're getting around their box okay. They've ate up, they've drank, they've recovered. I don't think there's a problem in starting them the next day. Um, probably a different story if the horse is getting along with its nose on the ground, um, laying down and feeling a bit sore and sorry for itself after a hard day's work. But um, some horses can do it and some can't. But most of them that did back up actually put in put in a really good effort, yeah. Yeah, they certainly did. Uh, race four, three on the card was won by London Ruler. Now, this bloke... Um, Going great guns for Todd Austin and Rick McMahon. Uh, started a dollar twenty-four favourite, and the comments of Josh Fleming as, as it was getting closer to the start time, he's saying, "And they've gone again." <laughs> it just kept crumbling in, and uh, won really well. Flash Vivian ready to win now. Ran second, beating a length and a quarter for Dave and Ella Beach. Not a bad run in third. They beat the rest convincingly. But London Ruler, uh, I was talking to part owner Reese Peacock. Uh, today, in fact, and he said, how long has this been going on? This is easy. <laughs> He's looking to go into another one. <laughs> oh, I wish that was, they were all that easy. <laughs> It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, he's, yeah, he, as you said, he just sort of keeps taking it all in his stride um, back to the 1,000 metres, and um, look, the money went on like it was unbeatable, and uh, I think Rick rode him like he was unbeatable as well. It was um, uh, an arrogant sort of win. Yeah, very, very impressive. Uh, next race was won by Faith and Love, uh, another one of the good things on the carnival, uh, trained by Philip Cole and John Keating. Uh, this galloper possesses any amount of early toe and uh, just carved over to the front, and that was the end of the penny section. Beat Harry Rocket for John Manselman and Rick McMahon by three and a quarter lengths, and Nitro City for Sean Royce and Jay Doolan in third, beaten seven lengths. But it was all Faith and Love, and uh, as we know in these uh, scampers, Brookie, it's all what happens at uh, barrier eyes and getting out and getting on the bunny uh, makes it makes it very hard for anyone to run you down. Yeah, that's for sure. You've got to be um, straight up on that pace there. If you're not leading, you'd want to be in the first three, um, definitely. And this horse just had all the pace and it hasn't been um, showing too bad a form of late either. So uh, it all worked out well for that team. Race five on the card was a benchmark 55 over the 1,600 metres and Bolt did just that for Kelly Mockton and Robbie Farr. One by a length at big odds, $13. Over Milky Rocket ran some sort of race for John Mansman and Jay Doolan to be beaten a length. And shame, shame, shame backed up well for Kim Healy and John Keating beaten two lengths. But Bolt, uh, too good. It was a funny old race, Maxie, with the favourite past tense not coping with the conditions. Um, and that was about the tale of the story, really. Yeah, look, 
I'd always said it to you um, when nominations first came out, but when I saw Milky Rocket and The Maiden, I thought it was the one of the bets of the weekend. Mm. And then they went to this race and I was a little bit disappointed, but I still put in a good race. But um, yeah, I think that probably the biggest upset of the carnival, wasn't it? Bolt taking mm. out this race. Um, it's form, I guess it was probably one of the fitter horses, wasn't it? Yep. It, it'd been racing over these sort of distances. It, it could it could run out that mile. Um, so I guess it definitely had that on its side. And um, oh, look, it certainly ate up the dirt as well. And um, yeah, it, it makes it probably worthwhile for the um, the Moncton stable making that journey out there yep. anyway. Coincidentally, um, Quade Crow was booked for two horses on at Birdsville. Yeah, that, that one. Bolt yeah. and Echo Point, they were his two rides. Um, let's go on to the Cup, Brook, and uh, let you take the stage. Echo Point at $1.18, I'd reckon, um, and according to Josh, probably one of the shortest price favourites in Birdsville Cup history and one accordingly for Todd Austin and yourself, a brilliant winner. Four and a quarter lengths over Sharanda. No no mean feat there. He's a ex-Townsville Cup winner for Johnny Manselman and Jade Doolan. And Bernie's Tiger um, took him a while to get over into the box seat, uh, but he plugged away okay for John Manselman and Rick McMahon. But uh, talk us through the ride, Brooke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we knew pretty early in the piece where we wanted to be in the run. Um, <coughs> we knew that we had to be within the first three, so bounced him out, got him across quite easily, just sat in behind the leader, which was um, Jay Doolan on Sharanda, and we had Bernie's Tiger just probably on our hindquarters. Um, tracking us into the race also. So they were probably my two biggest worries. But uh, once we were heading into the home turns, 400, we were able to angle out at just the right time and um, get the split. And the rest was history, really. He's got that great turn of foot. Um, I was I was confident with him from the jump, really. So, uh, yeah, once I found the fence and I was just tracking that leader nicely, I knew that I was uh, probably going to win the cup. So it was a bit hard to contain my excitement. <laughs> well, and that's going to be my question. When you are coming down on the straight and you can obviously felt that you had a lap full of horse and you were, you were running away from them, it, it probably would be pretty hard to contain the excitement. You weren't sort of tempted to, to get up in the irons and give it a proper salute at all. Nah, I don't think so. It's it's kind of not my thing. I've thought about it before. I'm like, oh, if I win this race, like, I'd do this or do that. And Michael McAnally did say to me also, oh, you're going to give us a big salute. So he was pretty confident um, in Echo Point as well. And I just said, oh, we'll see what happens. But I never, ever do it. Hey, I'm just that overwhelmed <laughs> that I just give my – I'm more of like a horse lover, I think. I don't think I'm like, yeah, I just won the cup. Good on me. It's not all about me. I just always pat the horse first and I give him the biggest old pat and is, I actually dropped my rein too when I patted him, but I, saw I knew he steers good, so I didn't really care. Yeah, just to clarify, guys, I didn't drop the reins out of inexperience. I dropped them because I was too busy patting. Um, yeah, well, if you need any um, any yeah. if you need any tips on how to salute, I can, uh, after we finish this, I'll give you Brett McGregor's number. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boot, bang, bang, he can do anything. <laughs> that, embarrassing if you stuck up at the irons, it ducks sideways, you fell off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, um, I've seen it happen. 
<laughs> and the cutest money went off, and John Manselman took the lot again with Golden Athena in the last. Uh, big winner, in fact. It drifted, drifted, drifted in the betting, starting 8.50 over th- by three and three-quarter lengths over Blade Man, who was off the map, and Lady Faye, who uh, finished in third. Cutest money, one, two, three, Maxi. But uh, you liked Golden Athena early in the day, and you didn't back it. Oh, I didn't. The drift turned me off. I just, yeah, I just sort of see the money coming for the... Austin runners like it had been all day I sort of thought well I'd, I'm not that keen on it but yeah I mean it finished you know side by side with Fire King at Mackay and I mean that Fire King is some of the best three-year-old form in that in that sort of rocky Mackay area so I, yeah, I, I thought it was going to run a race and um, yeah definitely all I had to do was I suppose handle the track and um, it certainly handled the track and um, look it, it was in the end it was an arrogant win wasn't it i mean yeah. jade barely moved on it and um it just kept going and then was running away from them in the end so uh yeah book ended the um book ended the carnival was uh jade and john with our winners in the first and winners in the last big congratulations to everyone that made the trek down there and um cashed in um everyone that did that certainly deserves every every cent they made because um it's a big trip for a lot of people and um, great to see Birdsville take one done and dusted for the year. Maxie, any horses to follow? I know we've got the obvious echo points and, um, you know, I think Milky Rocket probably wins back on the tab in the maiden next start. But uh, anything else? I actually <coughs> thought the run of Flash Fibian was, was a yep. gr- grand old run. Um, I reckon there's probably a win around the corner for him. So, um, yeah, that's probably going to be one of my horses I'm going to be watching coming out of that. Back to Saturday now, and uh, all action in the Northwest was at Max Welton. And the Max Welton Cup was an open over the 1,200 metres. And uh, taking us into the straight is the great Grant Wiles. Now the race is on, and Wicked 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 Oh, wow, he put them away in the last uh, 200 metres. Very, very, very impressive win there for Jay Morris and Jeffrey Felix. Eight and a quarter lengths, if you don't mind, over level eight, who made up some late ground for Stephen Royce and Robbie Farr. And the old boy Wicked Wiki uh, ran a good race at um, big odds, actually. Eight dollars for Wicked Wiki, eight and three quarter lengths back. Three dollars, they bet Favre Max. Three dollars. Crazy, eh? He was only beaten five lengths in a midway last October. I mean, like, you know, that's, that's as we've seen, some of that form that can translate into some, some big Sydney winners. So it's, um, yeah, look, I I thought it looked probably one of the bets on the card. I, th- I mean, the only two dangers I thought was itself and the Finter runner, who was probably pretty disappointing on, on paper. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that and whether we can see a a uh, return to form there but look Favreau, um as Grant said it looks like he's going to win by the length of the straight it was um it was certainly a huge win and the rich Maxwellton Cup went off let's go back to race one and have a look at this combination Damien Finter and Dan Ballard they're back together and with Forgotten Bow now this horse started $2.50 favourites one by length and a quarter over under the spotlight for Jay Morris and Jeff Felix and Dollar Dream uh, getting close to that next win for Kerry Crow and Nari Nelson but uh, they teamed up uh, when they team up Brooke uh, Finter and Ballard they're hard to beat yeah that's that's right they are and you've got a quality jockey and a quality trainer there and I think when you're racing over the 900 meters 
just looking at the horse's form, it, his first start after a bit of a break, so he would have had nice fresh legs, so that would have made it um, just that touch sweeter for him, having a nice fresh horse underneath you. Race number two uh, was a benchmark 65 over the 900 metres, and positive tension has now made it two from two uh, since joining the Denise Ballard camp, ridden by husband Keith, and uh, won by half a length as a $2.70 second favourite. Over Safty, who's going great guns at the moment for Mel Berry and Dan Ballard, and two and a half away to Flash Ombre, another one getting close to that next win, three lengths beaten for Tanya Parry and Greg Walters. But positive tension... Um, Denise, I reckon, is in for a good season this year. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, they've picked up some nice horses, and obviously uh, positive tension is no exception to that. Bringing um, some good form from down south. I mean, Dr. TK, I think, is going to be a horse with a fair bit of potential. And um, races on the speed, and um, look, beating home Safty. Uh, you know, we, we see Safty featuring the placings in all open company frequently, so it's um, going to be one to follow for sure. Tanya Parry, uh, as she does most weeks, um, lobs with a couple of new maidens. And this one, uh, formerly with Ben Robinson, uh, Injustice. And one, well, a length and three quarters over Mayara for Tanya and Keith Ballard. And it was a Tanya Parry trifecta with Solvus, uh, Jason Hooper in the saddle beaten two and three quarters. But it's uh, a bit of a revolving door up there at uh, Julia Creek. Brooke, she's, um, she turns them over but gets results. That's Tanya Parry. Yeah, she's got plenty of horses in the stable. I don't know where she keeps them. All you see are rock up to the races with the trucks and her floats and all the rest. But uh, she definitely does get the winds up on the board and she does have a lot of success with these maideners. And, and generally, first up, too, from a new stable, um, they don't take long to adjust, obviously, and uh, she's doing plenty right with them. So well done to Tanya. And another trifecta in race number four, and it was cutest money for first, second and third with Myola Millie been going well this preparation and got the chocolates for Tanya Parry and Timmy Brummel are heading up there to the northwest. A length and a quarter over Miss Flawless for Tanya and Greg Walters and Far Far, my old mate. He's uh, gonna getting back to his um, form. He started 380 favourite Far Far with Dan Ballard in the saddle. But, um, yeah, these horses starting to get miles in their legs now. Maxie and Tanya will be popping up everywhere winning. Yeah, this horse, is, oh, this horse has really hit his um, <clears throat> hit her straps, hasn't she? Um, two wins in a row, a second previous to that. Um, like you said, and I suppose we've been mentioning for a while now, this is a time of year that Tanya really starts to shine when um, they've got the fit horses running around. And um, I, I think that she's probably got a few here that are going to start graduating into that open company as well. Anything to take from... Oh, I think the obvious one is obviously going to be Favre um, to follow. But I, I do think that Rebel Salute, um, you can probably ignore that run. It's his first run on the dirt. And I do think this horse is going to have a fair bit of potential. So Paid a bit for it too. I believe so. Mm. So you'd hope that it can translate that onto the track. Time to have a look at nominations for this weekend. And a uh, talking point across the horse community is the amount of meetings and we'll get into that in our topic a little bit later but we'll start with bar calden and uh, the acceptances are through uh 40 horses for the five races and uh, of course these nominations probably affected by the birdsville trip max yeah i was gonna say it's it's i think it's pretty impressive still that barky get 40 nominations mm -hmm. considering that dave and todd both went to birdsville todd doesn't have any nominated probably having a a weekend off, uh, understandably, and um, Dave probably 
has some horses that he'd usually be taking that he's not anymore. So I think it's still a pretty good effort to actually get that many nominated. One thing I'm, I'm noticing here, race for the cutest. All 10 horses are cutest registered. Wow. It's something that we've been sort of speaking about for a while is, is wanting to see all those cutest horses and it's starting to flow through. And I think obviously the big factor has been that they opened it up to the open ages across mm. across the into, in the country um, as opposed to when it used to be just be two, three and four-year-olds. But having that potential to get all the cutest money in there now, it's, it's um, and, and you're seeing, seeing people making the purchases as well. They are trying to chase those cutest horses now. So... I think it's great. We should be um, exploiting it for all that we can because it's it's um, it doesn't go to anyone if it doesn't go off. So we should be um, trying to target it for sure. Bit of a quiet Saturday for you, Brookie. Yeah, I've got a few there for um, Dave Rewald that he hasn't put me on yet. By yep. the, well, not from what <clears> I can see on mine, but yeah. So I've I've only got a handful uh, this weekend, but you know that happens sometimes. Smaller noms and there's one stage there we had no jockeys and now we have plenty coming out so i can't i can't really complain can i <laughs> no no and you, you you're going you, you're just uh, you're entitled to a bit of a weekend off you did your hard yards on monday up to up to bullia and um 32 acceptors probably the talking point max are only four jockeys yeah i'd i'd, I'd like to maybe see if tenya had another one up his sleeve somewhere i mean I do see Scotty Giddos always says on Facebook that he'd go anywhere for a full book. So you can get a full book out at um, Bullia, Scotty. Get in touch with Tenya because I, I know they'd love to have five jockeys there, definitely. And uh, Roma racing as well on Saturday, 38 uh, nomin- acceptors over there, five races. Um, not bad fields, Max. Yeah, I think this is. it looks like to be a pretty good meet, doesn't it? Um, mm. I mean... The last race is probably slightly light on, but other other than that, it looks to be um, a pretty good pretty good race day. Um, the, that white claw open plate looks to be an absolute cracker. Um, hard stride going around again for another year. You've got VJ Day second up, Tycoon Funder second run for the new stable now. Obviously transferred into the picking ownership and uh, Matt Crop training. Shy Jin, a new one for Wayne Baker, a horse that I always had a fair bit of time for racing in the. Um, in the southeast corner, and then obviously you've got the likes of Minted and Phoenix as well. I, I think that could be the race of the weekend, potentially. Ooh, big call. And Brookie, um, meet Ant Cup on Easter Monday, uh, one of my favourite days of the year. Uh, five of the best at Augathella starting at one thirty-two. very specific. Um, <laughs> uh, you'll be heading down that way? Yeah, I am heading to Augathella, but I've only got a couple rides there too this time round, so... Um very, very quiet uh, Easter weekend or long weekend, whatever you want to call it for me. But uh, I've got one for Henry Forster in the Maiden, so I think she'll go nicely. But, um, yeah, not much for me to talk about, really. <laughs> oh, we, we will have uh, stacks to talk about next week when we're covering all these meetings. So um, you might have to yeah. come up and stand up next to me and uh, take, take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um... I might have to learn to be one of those... Um, what do they call them? Armchair jockeys or something? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's. I'm, I'm go- Actually, I need you. I uh, I need to teach you how to do that. <laughs> I'm the I'm the king apparently. <laughs> um, I am going. I think it's going to be a very interesting race to meet and cup because it looks like there's a fair bit of speed in it. And I mean, we talk about that Augafella track. It if we have a few of them trying to get around there once that bend, it could um 
could end up being a cracking finish, that's for sure. So, um, Ancient Echoes, I believe, are looking to go back to back. Was there a year off? Yeah, no one last year. No one last year, was it? Yep. So, yeah, look, I um, I think this is going to be a really good race as well, the Meat Ant Cup. Bacos back from injury? She <coughs> is. Welcome back to the saddle. Um, obviously, there on Vinaigrette, who we earmarked first up as a horse, it's probably going to be targeting this kind of race, and it's got that really good form that it's heading into. So um, I'm sure Raymond's going to be targeting that hometown cup. Right, oh, time for... I t- don't mind the Ken Ken for that, to be honest. I think there's heaps of chances, isn't there? I mean, I want to be a Jeep. has got that Trump Me form um, and Trump Me around that cracking race at, at Rocky. Yeah. Um, no innuendo probably was a victim of, of the tearaway leader at, at Rocky because he can can, like you said, it's flying. Maybe could be a victim of the, the tight turning track. Um, yeah. It, I just think good jockey, good barrier. It's got to be, yeah. It's got to be a great before. race, I think, for sure. Yeah, that comes up at four twenty-five on Easter Monday, Maxi. Though, all the talk, all the talk has been the programming um, over Easter. <clears throat> now, Easter's kind of like Melbourne Cup in the sense, Max, where it's a race meeting because it's Easter. Yeah. You know, like people, are, these clubs are having these race meetings because there she is hello brooke um it's it's a race meeting because it's we're just doing for the listeners we're just doing this um different recording um because we had problems with telstra uh all problems with telstra to be directed by to sean oates but um <coughs> we'll give Sean, a ring sean's in. on sick leave at the moment or so how to go to liam but um and but when do we pull away from this max and start saying right we have to look after the racing industry and and work out these meetings a bit better Queensland's probably one of the only states now that doesn't race on Good Friday. And I, know, I remember once upon a time um, when we had the annual Watts barbecue on a Good Friday. Mm. We were betting together. in South Korea, remember? Western Australia. Maybe you always That's bet at started, Perth. Yep. Yep. So you could always like have those Good Friday meets at Perth. And I reckon that turnover would have been huge because mm. you couldn't bet anywhere else. So, I yeah, look, I... I think it's it's transitioning away from that sacred day where you don't have that and, you know, we don't have racing anymore. It, it's transitioning. It's becoming more acceptable. We've seen it in the other states. And I can't see why some of these country clubs, you know, wouldn't... Well, if, if I was the club that's racing on the Saturday, I personally would be sticking my hand up and saying, hey, let's work on racing on the Friday. The thing is, there's nothing to do on Good Friday. Exactly. Nothing to do. And I did speak to Cole Truscott uh, earlier in the week and just said, hey, how far away are we from having Good Friday meetings? And there's a bit of an issue currently with liquor licensing yeah. um, because traditionally the rule on Good Friday, all pubs are shut and you can only go to a restaurant where you can have a meal. Yeah. So there's there's liquor licensing issues, but I do believe they're working on it and I and a hundred percent certain there are clubs sniffing around with the opportunity. I mean, how good would it be to have Barky on Good Friday, national coverage? Uh, you want to ex- you want to um, show what showcase what country racing has. There's your chance. Everyone's going to be watching. No one's got anything else to do. Exactly right. And I mean, from a, a patron perspective, um, there's nowhere else open. The pubs aren't open, so people are going to flock to the races for the opportunity. You're five hundred there. And no worries. what everyone's been talking about in social media, we've got no jockeys. We have that meeting on Saturday that automatically has ample amount of jockeys there, sorry, on the Friday. And then Saturday, all those jockeys then have the opportunity. They can go to Roma. They can go to Bullia. They can go to Flinton. <coughs> they can go to Emerald. There's such a great opportunity for a lot of jockeys to make a huge earn with three potential days of racing, if you want to include Olga Fowler in there as well. I mean, even if we went Easter Sunday. But you could four, do Sunday, days. yeah. But, Brooke, I know you'd probably interrupt with your fishing trip on uh, Good Friday, your <laughs> annual fishing trip. 
you go catch your yellow belly for dinner. But um, the opportunity to spread the love across the Easter weekend, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'd have to agree with all the points that you fellas have made. I'm not sure why one sort of hasn't tested the waters and, and had a go and see if it's something that could be possible. And even the liquor line, I don't know, I might sound like a bit of an idiot, but does there necessarily have to be alcohol to attract people to the races? Can they not, these smaller country towns, if you can attra- make it an attraction as more of like a family day out, you have face painting and all that sort of stuff for the kids, a bit of a jumping castle, put on a laid-back barbecue, maybe mocktails or something like that, um, just to try and get a crowd at least um, to your race meeting and, and just give it a go. You don't know till you try. It'll mm. be a hit or it'll be a miss, I'm sure. You'll, either way, you know, you're going to find out, but I feel like someone needs to give it a go um, just to see if, it, if it's doable because, like you said, we've got all these meetings on one day. I could have had a full book at Roma, um, but I was sort of tossing and obviously between sticking with my local or traveling. Um, but yeah, look, if I raced Barky one day and Roma was the next, I'd be jumping straight in the car and going to Roma. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly food for thought and <clears throat> it's, it's good that it's on, on the radar. And, and just as a side note, when Perth did it for the first time, their crowd on Good Friday was bigger than Perth Cup. So... I mean, it, it's 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 something different, you know. It, it's it's something to do, and um, yeah. and it the industry itself, the racing side of things, would benefit. Oh, it, it, you'd see the improvement in turnover, and and I think probably for, like you said, some of these these clubs that, you know, don't have uh, I suppose a, a, the big crowds that they used to be pulling. Good Friday is that opportunity to to really um really rake in some of those profits that you might be missing out on usually first just before we go maxi and brooke um these country tab meetings that are coming up on monday we saw the first signs of them with birdsville uh there was a lot of betting activity more so the monday than the sunday you think they're gonna they think they're gonna work i i was, I was talking to jay morris and he he a bit early i know he'll be listening tonight and i don't want to say the wrong thing otherwise he'll be um axing me but uh <laughs> <laughs> but he he was a little bit up in the air, you know, with with the concept. I thought turnover was down compared to some of the other yep. meetings that we see, the country tab meetings. Um, that's just only going off the pools that we can see. I do probably think that might have something to do with the short price favourites as well, though. I mean, it's probably not wanting to bet against some of those short price favourites. So I think. Um, I, I, I don't know. I see there is definitely a place for it. I can see if there's one Monday, if the Monday is rotated around the state, it's yep. not sort of just in the one area and it's, you know, the, maybe a meeting that a club doesn't usually, you know, get a big yep. crowd for. Or it, it's it's something that I, I definitely can see, um, I suppose, benefiting in the long run. Um, I don't know whether Monday is the best time slot for turnover. Yep. I mean, Friday afternoons would, oh, be, a would be perfect. Because it, it does lead into those sort of sunny coast racing on a Friday night, and I reckon that sort of knockoff time, that turnover there, would just be would be really um, really beneficial, I guess, in the long run. And look, to be honest, Brooke, um, everyone tunes into this podcast for your opinion. So, <laughs> what what do you think? You go the Monday? Do the Monday suit suit what you do? Like, I know a lot of jockeys, you you do stuff during the week, you know. Uh, yeah. Look, it it really depends. I feel like. Sometimes, it depends how far you got to travel, to be honest, because 
um, a lot of the people that are based out here will obviously we're the only work riders as well. So, um, you know, if Todd's not taking something to a Monday meeting, well, then I'm travelling and if it's far enough away that I don't want to do it in one day and back or whatever, then, yeah. But yep. I don't really know. <laughs> I like money, so <laughs> 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 Well, your last Monday you did all right, so <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Good on you. Monday meeting and you need a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Brookie. Thanks for your time, mate. Um, good luck over the Easter weekend. And, of course, we'll be back next Monday night, Maxie. Monday night? We, we oh, no, be, I don't know. What, you'll be in Orgafella, won't I you? don't know what night we'll do it next week. We'll be we'll be here somewhere. We'll be we'll have to fit in one, week, one day, won't we'll, we? We'll get it done. <laughs> Wherever you're heading over the course of the Easter weekend, please travel safely. All the best on the track, and we will catch you next weekend for next week, sorry, for the Greater Western Queensland Racing News Podcast.